Welcome into 444.com's The Most Accurate Podcast. I'm Anthony Stalzer, joined as always by my co-host, my friend, my partner. It's John Paulson. What's up, JP? How you doing today? I'm doing all right. I survived the uh, Browns Bengals. Um, <laughs> it was pretty entertaining, honestly. It was. And you know what was funny? It was like uh, my wife in the morning asked uh, who was playing on Thursday night, and I said Browns Bengals, and she goes, that's a trash game. <laughs> wow. Look at you, Amy. Yeah. Nice she. Uh, well, she... I mean, she grew up in Michigan, so she had to deal with the, the Lions for a long time. She Oof. claimed she never was a fan. She adopted the Packers when, when we met. But I think she, she realizes the Browns and Bengals haven't been good for some time and uh, decided that that was going to be her uh, trash game comment. So I, I was going to tweet it out, but I you know she dared me. I was like, well, I, I might get some backlash, but now I'll put it on the pod and see what, see what people say about that. Oh, come on. Wait. It was actually a good game. It was. It was very entertaining. From a fantasy perspective, it was good. And um, I may have had the Bengals plus six, so I like that backdoor cover right at the end there by Joe Burrow and company. Joe Burrow. All right, tell us about the music, and we'll dive into the podcast. Uh, yeah, I did. Uh, I was at my son's uh, basketball practice. They're doing some social distance uh, basketball practice outdoors, and I was I decided to do an AMA, a quick AMA on Twitter. And somebody requested some... I don't know, uh, under the radar, um, underappreciated nineties tracks. So I dug into my nineties playlists, uh, this morning and I found, uh, this track by, um, the screaming trees. It's called nearly lost you. It's the 12th track off of the singles, original motion picture soundtrack. And if you're out there and you haven't heard the single soundtrack, then I highly recommend you Go and listen to it. It's a great snapshot of grunge, uh, the emerging grunge scene in Seattle. Uh, the movie's pretty good too. Um, Eddie Vedder's in it, uh, has a cameo, some Pearl Jam's on the on the soundtrack as well. So, and your your Allison Chains, I know, yeah. I know you like Allison Chains is on there as well. It opens up the, the soundtrack with uh, with Wood. So, nice. uh, check it out. Nearly lost you, Screaming Trees. Nice, I like it. I I'm I'm gonna date myself a little bit here, John. But yeah, I'm a pro. I feel like I'm a product of the '90s. I was born in the early '80s. Product of the '90s in terms of music and movies, and that's that's right there. The Seattle sound. That's my sweet spot. Alice in Chains, my favorite band, as John just mentioned. I love Soundgarden, Stone Temple Pilots, Pearl Jam. I really like. I, I wouldn't classify them as one of my favorites, but that's kind of that's my wheelhouse. So I appreciate you doing some some '90s music as well. What what era do you de- identify with, John, music wise? Well, I, I was born in '73, uh, and my I, I kind of learned uh, classic rock through my, uh, or my the, the bedroom wall that I shared with my sister. She would be blasting. <laughs> Um, everything from Ozzy to uh, the Scorpions to ACDC to Journey to uh, 38 Special and all that. So nice. 70s classic rock. And then uh, I, you know, I got into lots of different stuff as evidenced by our eclectic uh, podcast playlist that uh, is up on Spotify. I was going to use that word, eclectic. Yeah, well well done. All right, this podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. Sports are finally back. As you know, fantasy football, basketball playoffs, hockey playoffs, baseball is going on. Baseball playoffs starting in about two weeks. You've got golf going on with the U.S. Open and more. FanDuel has you covered. It's a proud new sponsor of 444.com's The Most Accurate Podcast, and we'll talk about FanDuel a little bit later on as well. A couple of housekeeping items first. 444 now has a Discord. I know John and some of the other analysts have been posting there, and Chris Allen just did an audio AMA. John, you took you took your thinking inside the box series over there, right? 
Yeah, and that was something that I've been doing off and on for the last uh, few years. I get lots of kudos on Twitter for it, but then I get subscribers complaining that I post too much analysis on Twitter and it should be for subscribers only. So this is a way that we've decided this year that we can get more of a community built at 444. The analysts can talk directly to the subscribers. Um, I'm trying not to take a, a ton of start questions there because my, my, my rankings will answer most of those questions. But it's a great place to post injury updates. Uh, the Inside the Box is now called Analytic Insights. Uh, there's a channel there where uh, myself and several other, other analysts can post um, any sort of interesting stats that they that they see in, uh, during the gameplay. Um, so, and then there's a lot of uh, discussion amongst the uh, the users there that kind of give each other advice and, and and whatnot. And there's tons of different options in terms of the AMAs and everything else. So if you're a subscriber and you want to get the most out of your subscription, I highly recommend uh, signing up for Discord. It's a great idea. So to join, go to bit.ly slash 444discord. bit.ly slash 444discord to verify your subscription, then you can get started. All right, if you haven't signed up for 444, you can get up. You can get a free 444 subscription if you sign up for Monkey Knife Fight, which is a new daily fantasy site. You just need to be new to Monkey Knife Fight. You become a user, deposit $10 into your account after you sign up. The offer is good for a free 444 Classic, Pro, or DFS, DFS subscription. So it's basically up to a $99 value. This is a no-brainer, assuming that you live in one of the 35 approved states or Canada. Details can be found at bit.ly slash 444MKF. So think of monkey knife fight. All of that is lowercase. Bit.ly slash 4, the number 4, F-O-R, number 4, M-K-F. That offer is good for existing 444 subscribers as well. So just go through the process. Then you can email support at 444.com to let them know. And that way you can add a, a year to your existing subscription that you already have. So that's a, that's a great value too if you're already a subscriber. Let's get into some of the injury news that's impacting week two, John. We start off with the biggest injury, which is that Michael Thomas, wide receiver of the Saints, he's dealing with a high ankle sprain. Schefter says that despite the high ankle sprain, Thomas felt fantastic at practice on Wednesday, and there's at least a little bit glimmer of a hope that he can play on Monday night, per sources. It's still unlikely, but the Saints were pleased and surprised at Thomas's progress and condition on Wednesday. I, in our league, John, I have Michael Thomas, coupled with kind of a dud-dud performance by Saquon Barkley on Monday night. It, it, all of that together com- combined to a, a small loss for me. Um, what's your advice for guys like me that have Michael Thomas? Well, it's it's tough because it's Monday night game, uh, so you you're kind of hung out to dry a little bit if you don't have a a decent pivot on Monday night, and you know they play the Raiders, so there are a few players that you could go to. Uh, Traquan Smith would obviously get a bump if um, Thomas were to sit. Emmanuel Sanders is probably rostered in most leagues. Um, those two are going to be your, I would think, your primary receivers. Deontay Harris is kind of a wild card. Uh, more of a deep league guy. Uh, I actually have him in a return league since he's the primary returner for the Saints, and any, any extra offense I get from him is a bonus. Um, but those three are probably your top three receivers if if Thomas is out. Jared Cook gets a bump at tight end. He's been really good with the Saints, especially over the last uh, eight or nine games. Uh, he was good in week one. 
Um, as far as whether or not Michael Thomas will play, you know, everything I've read about this injury is that it takes a while to recover and it can linger. And, you know, they didn't put him on IR, which would have been a way to keep him off the field and, you know, not telling the, the training staff that he feels great and can play when he really doesn't feel as great as he's saying he feels, or he's trying to be a tough guy. Um, the three week, uh, IR would have been a good option for that, but they haven't done it. So it seems like they're keeping the door open for him to return either Monday night or, uh, in week three. So, um, you know, probably news, not so bad for Michael Thomas owners. Uh, I just don't know if we're going to see the, the, the real Michael Thomas until he can get over this injury. And this is one of those things that can linger for weeks and weeks and weeks, as we've seen with other players. Yeah. I remember as a Falcon fan, when Roddy white was dealing with a high ankle sprain and it seemed like they lost an entire season and then, or or half a season. Then when he came back, he wasn't effective. So I got that buried in my brain. I don't think I'm going to be starting Michael Thomas, especially as you mentioned, he's the the Saints playing on a Monday night. Let's talk about James Conner now running back for the Steelers. He also is dealing with an ankle, not a high ankle sprain, but good news for James Conner owners. He was a full participant in practice on Thursday, pretty miraculous turnaround for Conner missed practice entirely on Wednesday. I, I had saw that you had Benny Snell Jr. listed as one of your sneaky starts. So, so talk to us about both players, Connor, and then also Benny Snell, as those that may have picked Benny Snell up, hoping for another performance like he had Monday night against the Giants. Why don't you tell us about both players? Uh, yeah, I was surprised to see that he practiced fully. It's almost as if he didn't have an ankle injury at all, and there's <laughs> definitely speculation that he was not really injured. Um, he was jawing at the sideline. It looks like there were some issues there um, between him and the coaching staff. Uh, he didn't have much room to run, and then Snell came in and did very well uh, in the same game, so uh, behind the same offensive line against the same defense. So I think that might, might have been a wake-up call maybe for Connor. Um, I w- if, he's, if he's practicing fully, I would expect him to play. Uh, I'm definitely not going to have him ranked anywhere near RB1 levels, which is where you know he's a fringe RB1 uh, or he was heading into the season because uh, the Steelers were talking about him as the bell cow and, and all that. I don't think Benny Snell offers much as a receiver. He, his career receptions, I think, are under five uh, or thereabouts. So Jalen Samuels would come in and be the primary pass catcher if Connor can't play. It'd be a Snell and uh, Samuels committee probably. And then obviously they have the wild card with the rookie uh, McFarland. So um, I think heading into this game, I'll have him ranked. If Connor is continuing to practice fully and is going to play, I'll probably have him ranked as an RB3 this week um, because there's going to be better options out there for, for fantasy owners that, you know, with a safer uh, workload um, than what Connor can give you, given the fact that Snell, you know, outplayed him uh, last week. All right, we're talking about week two injuries here in the 444.com's Most Acro podcast. Chris Godwin. Suffered a concussion. He returned to practice on Friday. He still has some hurdles to overcome, John, but looks like he's on track to play. And then since we're talking about the Bucks and we're, we're talking about their wide receivers, let's discuss Mike Evans as well. Hamstring, he was limited in Thursday's practice, got a limited practice in on Wednesday, so I would imagine that he's going to play. The, the tricky part here is that both Godwin and Evans have a nice matchup against Carolina defense that was shredded by Derek Carr and the Raiders last week. Yeah, this is a, a nice spot for both players. Evan says he's over, he's over the hump, he thinks, with his uh, hamstring injury. So that's good, too. And, he, you know, he did play the entire game against the Saints, even though 
he was largely absent except for the late touchdown pass uh, from Tom Brady. So I think it looks like Godwin will play if he's back at practice today. Probably has to, you know, um, pass a couple more tests, but it's a great sign that he was back at practice today. I think they end up both playing. Uh, a lot of people picked up Scotty Miller uh, in preparation for either Godwin or Evans to be out. Um, I think he will play quite a few snaps for this team, and it does seem like Tom Brady loves him. Um, but I don't know, with both of these players healthy, both tight ends healthy, I don't know how many uh, targets that Miller will see on a weekly basis. I mean, he he saw a good workload in week one, but that was largely because Evans was, you know, hobbled, um, but, you know, did play. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see here in week two what, what happens with Miller's uh, workload with Godwin and Evans, both both out there and, and seemingly healthy. Sticking with wide receivers, Titans wide receiver A.J. Brown suffered a bone bruise in his knee. He may miss week two and beyond, and he's week to week, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter. So you've got two situations here. You've got A.J. Brown's injury, and then Corey Davis had a pretty nice performance against Denver. Corey Davis is one of those guys that I feel like he was kind of on the sleeper radar for a while, and now he's the forgotten one with A.J. Brown emerging last year. So what are your thoughts on A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, and even an, an Adam Humphreys as well. Yeah, Corey Davis you know, ended up being a, a post-hype deep sleeper this year after disappointing so many people, and that's why he's went so late in drafts is that he's probably burned everyone that's drafted him since his what second season when he had 800 yards uh, receiving and stuff. So um, his um, hamstring was bothering him. He was back in limited session, I think, yesterday. Uh, Brown is definitely up in the air. I'm waiting to hear news on him. It doesn't seem like it's likely that he's going to play this week, uh, which is a, which is a bummer since he have a nice matchup with the Jaguars. Uh, they do play early on Sunday, so people should, you know, have the information in front of them. Corey Davis would get a bump. Janu Smith would get a, get a, get a bump. Uh, Adam Humphreys would get a bump. Uh, and then those are your primary players that, that you could actually start in fantasy leagues. It's a pretty run heavy Offense, you know, a lot of Derrick Henry uh, against the Jaguars uh, is expected. So uh, this is definitely a bummer for A.J. Brown owners because, you know, and I am I have him in a lot of leagues. <laughs> so uh, I, I feel your pain. Uh, I think the, the first game was actually encouraging given the usage. He had eight targets, uh, which is ahead of the rate that he had last year. I think 6.1 in the games with... Ryan Tannehill last year. So even though he didn't tear up the the Broncos, it was actually good to see Corey Davis do well, uh, take some attention away from Brown. He had a you know a touchdown, not really go off his fingers, but I think Tannehill missed him by a foot or two in the end zone. That would have been a touchdown. It kind of saved his fantasy day. So I'm still optimistic about it. Um, I don't know how long he'll be out. They're calling him week to week, but uh, you know it doesn't sound good for week two. Jamison Crowder, hamstring injury. He's been ruled out for week two against the 49ers. Jets clearly weren't comfortable with Crowder playing after missing the last two days of practice. So Perryman and then Herndon would be the two guys that, if you're looking at the Jets wide receiver core, if you need somebody, I would imagine, John, that those two wide receivers would be two two guys you could target. You could argue for, for Perryman and Herndon. Um, I think after that, given the matchup against the, the 49ers, I wouldn't go any deeper than that trying to find starts on this team. Uh, you know, Mims is out, I believe. Hogan is playing, but 
kind of washed, I guess. Uh, I don't see a whole lot else like to confidently say. I think Perriman is not even confident. It's like a little dicey to, to start him, but I think you know he might end up seeing eight to ten targets in this game. And then Herndon, I think, is a solid uh, play at tight end, um, given the, the state of this team and the fact that they're likely going to have to throw more than they'd like to against the 49ers. All right, Kenny Galladay didn't practice again on Thursday. He, too, is dealing with a hamstring injury. Doesn't look like he's going to make his 2020 debut against your Packers on Sunday, John. Well, he's he's back and he's doing some, you know, very little today that might, you know, they they might be feeling a little bit desperate with the loss to the the Bears and another um, divisional game coming up. Uh, they may run him out there uh, maybe as a decoy or but I, I wouldn't expect him to be close to 100% uh, unless we get a report that he's feeling much much better, you know, over the weekend. So, I think Marvin Jones is going to be a good start. Danny Mandola is a solid and you know, deep PPR leagues. Uh, Quintez Cephas saw a lot of snaps and a lot of targets last week. So those are your three um, primary receivers. And then TJ Hawkinson at tight end. The Packers seem to have trouble with tight ends, and I'm expecting a fairly big game out of Hawkinson after a good game in week one. All right, Cortland Sutton. Let's talk about the Broncos wide receiver. Vic Fangio, consider Sutton questionable for Sunday's game against the Steelers. He's dealing with a shoulder injury. Even if he does play, John, probably a, a risky wide receiver three. Yeah, it's you know it's against uh, Pittsburgh too, so it just makes things worse. Although you know Slayton did have a good game uh, against Pittsburgh, so maybe there's some hope there for Sutton owners. You know, if he's playing, I would expect him to see six to eight targets. Uh, I don't know how productive he'll be with the you know the shoulder injury, um, but we'll I guess we'll see over the weekend and how much he is able to do um, today and practice and if he shows any improvement. Jerry Judy saw some work, maybe not as much as I thought uh, against t- uh, Tennessee. Uh, KJ Hamler is back at practice apparently, so that's a good sign for the receiving core. Uh, Noah Fant was the number one option with, with Sutton out, and uh, I don't know that he's a great play against Pittsburgh since they're you know, just a quality defense, but um, you know if, if Sutton's out, you're probably going to see eight targets to Fant again, and that's a good production from your tight end. Not great news for 49ers tight end George Kittle. He suffered the, the sprained knee last week in that loss to the Cardinals. He didn't practice on Thursday, but it also sounds like that was expected, right, John? Yeah, he's. I guess he's going to sit out all week, and then, but is expecting to play. So you know, he did play through the injury in week one, and whenever a player does that, I usually expect them to play in the following week because if they're able to continue to finish the game. Uh, usually they're healthy enough by Sunday to, you know, play the, the following week. So I'm expecting him to be out there. Uh, you know, Jordan Reed is available in most leagues. Uh, he's a good pivot if you um, are worried about the 49ers, uh, you know, maybe sitting Kittle and he's unable to play. But there's a lot of options because, the you know, San Francisco plays at 10 a.m. at the Jets uh, this week. So you have lots of options at tight end. Maybe you uh, – could, could start Janu or somebody like that uh, as well, or, or even Herndon in the same game uh, in shallower leagues that, you know, don't have a lot of uh, tight, or there's quite a few tight ends left on the, on the waiver wire. So um, if you're starting Kittle, I would expect, you know, I wouldn't expect a typical game from him, uh, but he's so good that you have to 
pretty much have to start him unless you have a top two or three tight end uh, to go along with him. Let's talk about the Thursday night football game. We had mentioned this at the start of the podcast today. Pretty entertaining overall. Let's look at it from a fantasy standpoint. Baker Mayfield, 16 of 23, 219 yards, had two touchdowns, did throw the one pick late, which it didn't necessarily cost them or potentially cost them the game, but it, it did come at a time where the Bengals were still hanging around. Mayfield also finished with three rushes for five yards. I'll just run through some of the Brown stuff, John, and then you can tell me what you think from Cleveland's standpoint. A lot better performance out of Odell Beckham for, for owners. He did catch a touchdown pass. He had 74 yards, four catches on six targets. Jarvis Landry, kind of a, a dud. He was targeted three times. He caught all three, but only for 46 yards. And then the tight end, Austin Hooper, targeted four times. He only finished with two catches for 22 yards. The big performance came from the two running backs. Nick Chubb, 22 carries, 124 yards, two touchdowns. He also saw one target in the passing game, and he caught it for nine yards. Kareem Hunt, 10 carries, 86 yards, a touchdown, two targets, caught both, 15 yards, and a touchdown. Those two running backs look like they're going to be dangerous given given the matchup each and every Sunday. Yeah, and uh, it, this shows you what the split looks like when the, the Browns are leading or, you know, in neutral situation. I mean, last week there's a lot of panic over Nick Chubb, but they were getting blown out by, um, by Baltimore. So Hunt played more snaps than he usually would. So, you know, if this is a good team, um, Chubb's going to have a great year. If his team struggles and goes, you know, four and 12 or something, then, you know, Kareem Hunt is going to probably end up outscoring him in PPR formats because they're just going to be trailing and he's, he's going to see more snaps and maybe more touches than Chubb. But the thing with Chubb is, is he's such a good running back? Like, you know, I didn't, I saw probably a third of the game and let me just based on his stat line, let me throw out, you know, probably some, some lazy analysis. And you tell me if I'm right, he broke a lot of tackles and made people miss. Is that, is that accurate? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. I would say so. <laughs> uh, so good scouting report. Th- thanks. So you're going to have, you might have some frustrating games with Chubb, but you know, in games where, I, mean, I think it's clear from this that games that they lead or it's neutral, uh, you know, it's a competitive game, then Chubb's going to be their primary back and he's going to see 20-plus touches. So um, I don't think it's a wasted pick or anything like that in the second round. You just might have some frustrating weeks. All right, well, let's move to the Bengals. And this is kind of this is kind of interesting here. So Joe Burrow, not a great recipe to be on the road short week and have your rookie quarterback in only a second game throw it 61 times, but it is what it is. Burrow, 37 completions, 61 attempts, 316 yards, three touchdowns, and he also had seven seven carries, 19 yards as a runner. We've seen kind of the mobility for him. He scored a, a rushing touchdown a week ago. Is this looking at – is Joe Burrow kind of a sneaky start moving forward here if you if you absolutely need a quarterback? Yeah. I mean, I wrote about him quite a bit this, this uh, preseason. Um I drafted him in my Scott Fishbowl league, probably ahead of players. Maybe I should have taken ahead of him, but I was excited about his upside. I was excited about the volume of this offense, and this is what I was expecting, you know, 50-plus, 45, 50-plus pass attempts, and we ended up with 61. It wasn't like a high-efficiency day for him. I mean, it was five-point-something yards per attempt, but, you know, you're not, it doesn't matter. You're, you're not, you're, you're not going to turn down 300 yards and three touchdowns plus 20 yards rushing from your quarterback. So right. this is the recipe for a lot, unless they face a really, really good defense. We're going to see a lot of Bengals games, I think like this because their defense is not great. Um, we saw that maybe the charger game 
was more of a just two bad offenses, you know, maybe a little rusty, you know, with two new quarterbacks in, you know, trying to move the ball and, and kind of struggling in week one to get their footing. Um, it wasn't like the, the Bengals suddenly have a great defense. Um, so I think you're, you're heading into a season where they're, they're going to trail quite a bit and you're going to see a lot of 45, 50 plus pass uh, games for, for Burrow. And that's great for fantasy. Um, and he's just, I think he's just a good player. I mean, he just barely missed uh, AJ Green on the early bomb. And um, he just seems cool and collected. And I love the mobility, uh, you know, as the Konami code uh, advocates say, he gives you that extra baseline as a runner. I mean, he had a rushing touchdown uh, last week as, uh, as well. So uh, it's just, uh, I like him as a, you know, weekly streamer and somebody that maybe is available on your waiver wire that you might want to pick up and, you know, end up starting every week. All right, let's talk about his weapons then. So Tyler Boyd, seven catches on eight targets, 72 yards and a touchdown. He, Joe Burrow and A.J. Green looked off. He was kind of, he was targeting Green a lot, 13 targets, but just couldn't connect. There was a pass late in the game too where Green had likely a first down with a defender on his back hip and Joe Burrow threw it behind him. So A.J. Green finishes, despite those 13 targets, with only three catches and 29 yards. T. Higgins, three catches, 35 yards on six targets. As for the tight ends, you got Drew Sample, seven catches on nine targets for 45 yards. And then C.J. Zuma, 44, I'm sorry, four catches, 45 yards and a touchdown on six care on six targets and he was also injured. And then Joe Mixon, not great. 16 carries, 46 yards. He was really bottled up by Cleveland's run defense. He did catch four passes on four targets for 40 yards. Who stands out most in this Cincinnati skill position group? Well, it was good to see Burrow like start to start to target Boyd because he's probably their most polished receiver right now. AJ Green looks a little off. But you can see that he's a big part of that offense, and they're trying to get him going. Uh, I don't know if it's just a little bit of rust with him, or if he is, you know, past it's it's over for AJ Green. I, I I tend to think more optimistically when you have a player of his caliber who's been out for whatever a season and a half, and it's just you know no preseason games to get to get on the same page as the rookie quarterback, and maybe they're just um, not connected, like. They had, the, they had the initial pass down the sideline. That would have been good for whatever, 20, 30 yards. Um, and then there was a target in the end zone where he was interfered with. And if the guy hadn't grabbed his arm, he probably would have caught it for a touchdown. So maybe you're looking at, you know, five for 70 and a touchdown in week two. And then you're, and then AJ Green owners are probably happy. So I just feel like it's like near missing. I, you know, maybe you, maybe you put him on the bench until you start to see some um, cohesion between him and Burrow. Uh, but you gotta love this, um, these targets and all these air yards. I mean, they're obviously trying to feature him in this offense. So I don't think they're gonna go away with go away from him anytime soon. Uh, Boyd's, you know, it's great to see Boyd, you know, kind of bounce back and have a good game, get that touchdown at the end. T. Higgins was the guy from a playing time standpoint that stood out to me, and he got um, knocked around a little bit, but I think he finished the game. Uh, but he had 65% of the snaps, which was a big. Uh, uptick for him John Ross led the team in snaps last week but only had 30 percent this week so it looks like Higgins Boyd and Green are going to be your three uh, receivers and that's great news for for Higgins to, to move up the depth chart that quickly although you know they they really bounced Ross's snaps around so they might do it with Higgins as well we'll see um, 
And then at, at tight end, I was looking up Drew Sample because I did see that in the preseason he was showing good uh, cohesion, um, good rapport with with Burrow. Uh, Burrow obviously likes to throw to his tight ends. I mean, 15 targets to Uzuma and Sample. Uh, Sample looked like, I don't know, it looked like me maybe playing the tight end position, the way he was moving and running at, you know, at 46, but he's a young guy, uh, second, I think second, second or third season. But like, I was just looking at his, uh, you know, 4.71 40 yard dash. That's solid speed score is solid, pretty good, pretty good burst and agility. He just did not catch a lot of passes at Washington, like 25 passes his senior year for 200 something yards. So it wasn't like he was a big producer. He was more of a inline you know top blocking tight end coming out of that class so uh it, that doesn't really matter i guess if if he's going to get this many targets uh i think if you're at, in trouble at tight end he's not a bad guy to add because it looks like uh, burrow's going to pepper his uh, tight ends with targets and then Mixon, did you cover oh uh, i wouldn't panic with him um you know you'd, you'd like to see more of a role geo bernard's eating into his snaps a little bit uh, you'd like to see more of a role in the passing game. I think he had four catches for 40 yards in the first half and then didn't catch a pass in the second half, which is a little alarming given the fact that they you know, trailed the whole game. The snaps were too close for my liking, 50% to 46%. But, I mean, I, I don't know how many running backs are out there that are going to get 20, 18, 20 touches a game for you. Right. So are you, you're not going to cut them. Um, maybe you could trade them, move them for somebody you like more. Uh, maybe you package him with somebody – to get Jonathan Taylor before Jonathan Taylor broke breaks, uh, breaks out. Cause he's going to, I think have a great season now that, um, Marlon Max out for the year. Uh, so maybe you do something like that, but, uh, you know, he's, you know, running backs that get 20 plus touches per game are not are hard to come by. So it's not like he has no value or anything like that. It just hasn't seen the production that we would expect out of him given what he did, did last year in this office. I mean, the same coaching staff, and he had a productive year last year, so I would expect him to bounce back. All right, Sneed starts on their way, but first, a message from our sponsors. The Most Accurate Podcast, proud to be presented by FanDuel Fantasy. We're excited to be playing fantasy football again. John, I absolutely love the FanDuel app. It's easy to use. It's intuitive. If I need to quickly replace a player on my roster, no problem. I can do so. They, they outline the salary for each guy. They make it easy. They give you some tips if, if you want some from the, 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 uh, fan, the FanDuel gurus. But I, I just love the fact that I appreciate the season-long leagues like you and I are in, but at, at my work, we, we have a, a station league set up through FanDuel. We can pick a new team each and every week. We can compete for cash pri- uh, payouts and prizes. I love it. And, you know, I, I know that you use it as well. FanDuel, right now, here's the offer for you. If you want to try it, if you've never used it before, you'll love it too. I know a couple of people at my work that they've never used it before, never really understood fantasy DFS, and, and now they absolutely love it. So FanDuel is offering users the chance to play for free this NFL season. No deposits required. Just sign up, and FanDuel will give you a free entry to a contest each and every week of the football season where you can win real prizes. Plus, for those folks who want to deposit, FanDuel is offering up to a $500 bonus instantly when you make your first deposit. Go to FanDuel.com TMAP, so make sure you use our promo code TMAP, or download the FanDuel Fantasy app to play now. FanDuel, 
has got more ways for you to win. You are going to absolutely love it. John, before we get into some sneaky starts, any thoughts on FanDuel? Because I know, I know you use it as well. No, I play there yearly, and uh, it's a good interface. Uh, it's a, it's a, just a quality DFS site, so I, I usually play cash games over there um, and uh, tend to do pretty well. Uh, I don't do it. I wouldn't say I do a ton of volume, but... Um, definitely play there every year, and um, the site's easy to use, and uh, the, the app's great too. One more quick note: if you don't want to play, you know, if you're new to fantasy football, for example, uh, or you're new to DFS and you don't want to take on experts like like John Paulson, they've got leagues for everyone. They got beginner leagues. They've got leagues where the, kind of the experts are, are excluded. So it's really up to you, your your level of play, how much you want to play for all that. It's it's just a lot of fun. Let's get into some sneaky starts right now. Quarterbacks. You like Mitchie football this week, John. Mitchie Trubisky. Yeah, Trubisky tends to um, do do well in, in soft matchups, and he did. He came up <laughs> at the end. He came up big for the for the Bears against the Lions last week. Uh, ended up with twenty four point three fantasy points, uh, two hundred forty two yards passing, three touchdowns. He's got two good receivers in Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller. Um, so I don't know why they're not playing Anthony Miller more, but that's a whole nother podcast. Uh, this is a good matchup at home against the giants. Uh, he won't have the Chicago boo birds out there. I don't think yelling at him if, when he, whenever he makes a mistake, mm. uh, the giants just got worked over pretty hard by, uh, Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers. So, uh, I think this is a good spot for Trubisky if you're streaming the quarterback position. All right, what other quarterback do you like? I'm sorry. Let's let's move on because you can check out the article at four for four dot com if you if you want to check out John's full sneaky starts quarterback article uh, or four or more quarterbacks I should say. Let's move on to some running backs and I know you like two of them. One of them is Ronald Jones, the running back for the Bucks. Well, I will mention one more quarterback, Joe Burrow. He's a good player. Oh wait, a second, he already played. <laughs> good I did call there. Yeah, and I, I looked at it and I was like, oh yeah, I had him under uh, Gardner Minshew, so. Uh, maybe not maybe not the best call if, if Gardner doesn't have a great great week um uh at running back I really like Ronald Jones I, I've, I've been looking at my rankings compared to some other people and um I'm quite high on him this week I don't think that the Leonard Fournette experiment really worked in week one he did I think five carries for five yards he didn't do anything to justify a larger workload or any significant workload really against the Panthers this week and uh, Jones didn't exactly tear up the um, the Saints, but the Saints have a really good defense. He had 19 touches for 82 total yards. He had 10 fantasy points PPR, um, and he's entering a week uh, a matchup now against the Panthers. They gave up 139 total yards and three touchdowns on 29 touches to Josh Jacobs. They were one of the league's worst, if not the league's worst, rush defense last year, and it doesn't seem like they're any better. Um, so I'm thinking that the Bucks will feed uh, Jones again this week, and he's going to get off to a good start and and tear it up. I mean, I guess the only path here where I'm a little bit worried is if he, you know, has three yards and three carries, and then Fournette comes into the game and has a big run, and then all of a sudden they go hot hand. But, um, I, you know, the way that Bruce Arians is talking about Ronald Jones, even after the Leonard Fournette signing indicated that he was going to have quite a bit of leash as the starter as Fournette, you know, gets into the offense. It's not like Fournette's a great... Uh, pass blocker. That's what they have LaShawn McCoy for. 
Uh, so I, I just don't see uh, Fournette passing Jones this week. So um, I, I would start him with confidence, uh, you know, as a sneaky start. And then one of the other running backs that you like had a nice performance last week against the Colts, and that's James Robinson, the running back for the Jaguars. Yeah, I don't know if you noticed in our in our league that we played together, but I I put a hundred dollars. I put my whole bid uh, budget on Robinson this week. I, saw I was that. sitting there trying to figure out how much to how much to put out, put on him. But my DeAndre Swift pick uh, it's a keeper league, so I put DeAndre Swift in the I guess at the end of the fifth round. Um, that doesn't seem to be panning out great right oh, now with Adrian Peterson I there. Feel bad for him. So. Too. Dropping that pass. Yeah, so I I decided just to go. It was a part of my part of my problem with uh, free agents acquisition budget is that trying to figure out the prices each week. So sometimes if I just pick a player and I just really want him, and I th- identify him as the best player that I'm probably going to have an opportunity at on the waiver wire this year, I just go all in and get him, and then I've got him for the season. And sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But Robinson, I watched his uh, his all of his touches from the first week, and he looks like the starting running back. Um, in the NFL, uh, he's undrafted, but I uh, was breaking tackles. He showed a really good, uh, you know, nifty move on uh, on a 28 yard catch. Uh, he hurdled a guy, broke some tackles to to gain 28 yards there. He was better in the first um, half than he was in the second half. I think just the the, the running game kind of got bottled up in the second half. But it doesn't look like Chris Thompson's going to eat into his snaps really at all and, and maybe you get into some games where Jacksonville's trailing and they start to to use Tom, uh, Thompson more but it, it seems like they're pretty satisfied with Robinson as their starter and you know I was looking at it like well how many starting running backs are available on the waiver wire um, during the season like like not many right. so you might you might get some guys that are gonna start now because they were backups but this guy uh, won the job in the camp and, you know, available in the waiver wire. So let's go get him. Uh, 17 touches, 90 yards, played 68% of the snaps in week one. Uh, and he's going to be startable and favorable matchups this week. And I think the Titans are pretty, uh, it was a decent matchup. I mean, they gave up 131 total yards and a touch and touchdown to uh, Melvin Gordon uh, on 28 touches uh, along with Philip Lindsay last week. So uh, I like Robinson as a sneaky start this week. Are you also like, as we shift over to sneaky start wide receivers, you like two guys from Green Bay. Obviously, Devontae Adams wouldn't be classified as a sneaky start, but pretty good matchup for your guys, Alan Lazard and then Marquez Valdez-Scantling as the Packers host the Lions this week. Yeah, they both played well last week against uh, Minnesota, which was fairly surprising. Uh, they kept going. I mean, Marquez Valdez-Scantling got some buzz from from uh, Aaron Rodgers late in camp that, that said that he was having a really good camp and maybe buttoned up some of the issues he was having last year. They just could they they went deep a lot to him last year, and they him and Rodgers just could not connect. But and against the Vikings, you know, they did connect. Obviously, the touchdown before the end of the first half was a really nice catch, a contested catch for uh, Valdez Scantling. He did have a couple of really bad drops, um, but bounced back with a nice catch late in the game. Uh, and it looks like he's going to play 50, 60% of the snaps, mostly pass snaps and run a lot of deep routes. Rogers, uh, attempted the most, uh, deep passes, I think 10, uh, of 20 yards or more in the first uh, game first week and I would expect more of that this week with uh, with with the Lions and Lazard has been the guy that has just been kind of the steadier presence uh, doesn't make a lot of mistakes he is where he's supposed to be um, he had a nice 
catch down the middle, could have scored. I think he hadn't tripped, but he ended up did scoring a touchdown. He only had the four targets, but they also, you know, fed him um, a handoff and he had 19 yards rushing on that, on that play. So he's out there more for, for more snaps and is the wide receiver too. But Valdez Scantling probably has more weekly upside due to his big play ability. So I think that's where we're at with the, the, the Packer receiving core. Obviously Devontae Adams on pace for 272 targets. Uh, he's he's a good play as well. <laughs> All right, Paris Campbell is another wide receiver you like, the wide receiver out of Indy. Yeah, he had a good buzz in camp as well. You know, I think the, he was flying a little bit under the radar because of the Michael Pittman draft pick, and I uh, fell into that trap as well. Pittman is, uh, I believe, banged up right now, and Campbell had a great uh, first game. He had nine targets, six catches for 71 yards. Uh, he also had a nine-yard run. Uh, Campbell was making a lot of plays in the previous preseason, 2019 preseason, uh, but just could not stay healthy. Uh, and it looks like the Colts love him. So he's going to be the number two receiver there with with uh, Hilton and may end up out-targeting Hilton um, in certain games like he did. Uh, I think he's out-targeted in week one. Um, but it looks like it's going to be Hilton and Campbell uh, primarily in the passing game with Naeem Hines helping out uh, from the backfield. Let's move over to, over to some tight ends. You like Janu Smith and Logan Thomas as your sneaky starts. Yeah, Janu with, with A.J. Brown likely out. He caught four passes for 36 yards and a touchdown on seven targets against uh, Denver. Uh, that's great usage for him, seven targets. He's a fantastic athlete. He's really good with the balls, ball in his hands. And if, they, if they're without Brown and, and Davis is a little bit uh, hobbled, then I think he could see you know, he might push 10 targets in this game. And I think he's a good play. Um, and then Logan Thomas, big part of this uh, Washington offense, um, he had eight targets in the, in first in the first game. Uh, he was sixth in routes run uh, among tight ends in Week One, uh, according to PFF. Uh, and what I like about this is the matchup against the Cardinals. They're historically terrible against the the tight end position. Maybe they're a little bit better this year. We'll see. Uh, but I think Th- Thomas is a quality, you know, QB or sorry, tight end one like ish type start you'd like to see more uh production out of him before you put him ahead of some of these other guys but uh you know obviously really encouraging usage in week one all right that'll do it for john paulson and anthony stalter you can follow john on twitter at four for four underscore john you can follow me as well at anthony stalter check out john's sneaky starts for week two as well as well as all of john's rankings and i know you do as a subscriber Uh, i will also have my week two betting predictions up so a lot of good content coming out on 444.com good luck this weekend we'll see you next time on 444.com it's the most accurate podcast Just a lie.